0: I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today's episode will be a continuation of the last one, concerning the patriarch who signals the imminent day of the Lord. That episode showed that beginning in Genesis, God hid an important signal for us today found in our 15th patriarch, whose name was Peleg, which means division. It is the exact same word the prophet Daniel used to describe the final kingdom right before the day of the Lord. In chapter 2, Daniel wrote, this kingdom will be a divided, or Peleg, kingdom. It's important you listen to what that means and why God used those specific words and what a divided kingdom means. The reason it's important is how it's being fulfilled now and how close this brings us to the day of the Lord. In this episode, with all that as a foundation, I want to look deeper at this fourth kingdom, which Daniel refers to as a beast unlike any other. Today's episode, The Ways Daniel's Final Beast is Manifesting. I must give a disclaimer. This episode may disturb some of you, but Ezekiel 3 compels me to issue a warning. That said, I assure you that even if this is hard to hear, I will also give hope and instruction. You see, it is always God's heart to point the way to freedom and healing. Let me begin, though, by setting the stage. During my years piloting a small plane, I learned two aviation concepts that will prepare you for this teaching. When you're flying at altitude on a clear day, you can see the entire landscape through the wide-angle lens of the cockpit. You see where you're going. You can look down and locate a town or a radio tower, railroad tracks or utility lines, and how they all relate to the other things around them. But when you're flying, there's another viewpoint you can often find yourself in. It's called CFIT, which stands for Controlled Flight in Terrain. That's the view from the cockpit when you're flying close to the ground. You lose the big picture. You can't see much at a distance, only what's in front of your face. On my first solo flight, I was flying at 3,500 feet from the Cobb County Airport to a tiny airstrip in Alabama. I had planned the flight meticulously and was on a straight course from point A to point B. About halfway there, the clouds started coming in. The ceiling got lower and lower, and I had to keep descending to remain 500 feet below the cloud layer, which is the rule. I could no longer see my destination because there was a mountain in front of me. My map showed the airport to be on the other side of that mountain, so I had to change my course and go around the mountain and pray that I read the map correctly and find the runway on the other side. In these latter days, we are navigating in CFIT conditions. This is why so many people, I believe, are flying blind. If we do not have God's wide-angle view fixed in our minds, we will confront obstacles we didn't know existed and not know what to do about them. Now, my goal today is to look deeper into this fourth and final beast so you won't find yourself in its clutches. Or if you do, you will know how to escape. Daniel first mentions this beast in chapter 2. The time period was 604 B.C. during King Nebuchadnezzar's second year ruling Babylon, and young Daniel was brought forward to interpret his vision of an image with four parts to it. Now let's fast forward 51 years to Chapter 7 during the first year of the reign of Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon. In the wide-angle view, God planted the seed of this image during the first king of Babylon, and then at the very end of the empire gave Daniel his own vision of it. We read, Daniel had a dream and said, I saw in my vision the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings, the second one like a bear, after this another like a leopard with four wings and four heads, and after this a fourth beast, terrible and dreadful and exceedingly strong, and it had great iron teeth. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Let me break out this dream a little bit here. Before I do, though, I want to place the dream in its timeline context. The very next verse concerns a little horn that comes up among these ten horns representing the ten toes. Now, it has long been believed that this little horn refers to the rise of the Antichrist. I mention this because the part of the image we're going to focus on immediately precedes the rise of this little horn, which happens right after the resurrection and the beginning of the day of the Lord. So let's look deeper. Number one, Daniel wrote, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Now the four winds represent every direction. The great sea always refers to the Sea of Humanity or the Gentile nations. Now, this was not a calm body of water. It was tumultuous and dangerous, and winds sent from heaven were stirring up the waters from all directions. Number two, he says, four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse or different from one another. Now, the normal Hebrew word rab, R-A-B, means abundant in rank, in size, in quality, etc. It is exceedingly great. But in this verse, Daniel doubles the word. He writes, Rab-Rab. In other words, these four beasts were double in size and domineering in character. They were off the charts. Number three, let's consider the word beast. In the Tanakh, or the Old Testament, two Hebrew words are generally used for beast. Daniel did not use either of these words for this passage. He used a different word, cheva, which means a living animal. But it is the only time this word is used. Rashi, one of the most influential Jewish commentators from the 11th century, noted that Daniel saw the first three beasts on one night, whereas this fourth beast he saw in a vision on another night because it is equal to the others. In other words, this fourth beast is unbelievably huge and foreboding compared to the other three. We see its fulfillment in Revelation 13, where the Greek word used for beast is therion, which means a wild animal, a trap, very dangerous. Number four, I want you to notice that with the first three beasts, Daniel used the word like, like a lion, like a bear, like a leopard. These are all animals we are familiar with, but when it came to the fourth beast, it was unlike anything known at the time. And that's why Daniel struggled to find the right word to describe it. He used an adjective that has great meaning. He wrote, It was diverse, sometimes translated as different, from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, the Hebrew word for different is shenah, and it means altered or changed. Now, based on other verses that I'll show you, I believe this is referring to a genetic alteration. Inserting something into the body that has the ability to alter the genetic structure of the blood. This is why Daniel refers to this beast as horrible and terrible. It is transhuman, the present theory which says that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. In another episode called The Nephilim at Work Today, I discussed Daniel's interpretation of iron mixed with clay, referring to the ten toes of the image. Dreams are a fascinating way that God speaks because he provides layers of meaning from a single image. For instance, why would God show King Nebuchadnezzar these particular elements, iron and clay? What does he mean? For one thing, these two elements don't go together. They are incapable of mixing. But there's something more. One element is natural and earthbound, clay, and the other comes from another world, iron. Many scientists say that iron was made inside supergiant stars that existed before the sun was formed and blasted into space during a nuclear fusion millions of years ago and today makes up a large portion of the Earth's surface. So this picture of ten toes made of a mixture of iron and clay now says something very significant and marks this fourth beast as totally different from the other kingdoms. It says that before Messiah comes, the toes will not be normal. Now remember, we are told by the angel Gabriel that the ten toes represent ten kingdoms that the Gentile nations will be geographically divided into and controlled by the top leadership of the New World Order. Every toe meaning every one of these ten kingdoms will be a genetically divided mixture. One part of the DNA will be from the earth, represented by clay, enmeshed with another substance, iron, that comes from an ancient pre-existing world that is not human. Daniel 2 tells us, As you saw the iron mixed with miry clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Timing-wise, after this mixture begins to manifest, that's when God will shatter this kingdom in pieces and usher in the kingdom of God. You might be asking, is this mixture of elements manifesting today? And if so, how? Now that's where we get into what's called the mark of the beast. A mark is something evidential. It is seen by others, like a birthmark, so to speak. It manifests the nature of the beast for others to see. What did this mark look like? In Daniel 7, it says the fourth beast had great iron teeth and claws of bronze. Now, this begs the question, why did these metals show up in the teeth and fingernails? To answer this question, we have to start with the basics. What are teeth? They are part of the natural body that God created in and around the mouth, made up of four different types of tissue that help us chew and digest food, help us to talk and speak clearly, give our face its shape, and help us interact with others. Most importantly, though, they are made of living human cells. What are fingernails? They, too, are living human cells made of a hard substance called keratin, and they protrude from our fingers and toes. Now, underneath are all kinds of tissues, blood vessels, and ligaments, and they are important clues to our health and help us do all that we do with our hands. The bottom line is that in a healthy, undefiled body, these elements— teeth and nails, will be composed of living human cells. But one of the marks of this fourth kingdom is that it includes material not of this earth. It includes iron and bronze. The only way this can occur is that something metallic and foreign had to have entered the bloodstream to change things genetically and show up in this way. Now, since we are not seeing leaders in the New World Order with literal iron teeth and bronze claws, let's look at this metaphorically, which is the way God speaks in dreams and visions. If you have ever been in the grip of a binding legal contract that sucks the life out of you, such as the IRS who calls every day or a creditor to whom payment is due, that is iron teeth. There is no ounce of compassion or concern for your well-being, nor does that person have hands that offered kind gestures of, it's okay, we'll get through this together, I will walk with you. No, the claws dig in and you cannot escape until you pay every last cent. That's claws of bronze clause of mandates saying you will lose your job if you do not take the vaccine. This is a snare that was laid by this kingdom and millions of God-fearing people stepped into it. I have written extensively in four different episodes to show how the vaccine rollout will prove itself to be the biggest sting operation against humanity the world has ever seen. In the episode called How the Vaccine Paves the Way for the Mark of the Beast and How to Demolish the Road, I present evidence straight from the book of Daniel to show how the rollout aligned perfectly with a prophecy that was written over 2,500 years ago. In the description notes, I provide a free transcript so you can examine this evidence for yourself. In it, I outline instructions on how to set yourself free from the iron teeth and the claws of bronze. Even if you have taken the vaccine, there is still hope, but I have to say time is critical. Renouncing your involvement with the vaccine and distancing yourself from the beast is arguably one of the most important decisions you will make simply because of our nearness to the day of the Lord. I have many dear friends who took the vaccine never suspecting a harmful intent. They trusted their doctors. Many of them were doing ministry work and were told they had to have the shots to travel abroad. And now, sadly, we are seeing the aftermath. Here are findings that have recently surfaced, and I will put links to them in the description notes. This is not to frighten you, but to let you be able to examine this evidence. Number one, in August 2022, a scientific report was released showing metallic structures found in the blood of people who took the Pfizer vaccine. In all of the COVID vaccine samples they analyzed, without exception. Number two, another report came from Italian doctors concerning a sample of over 1,000 people who developed symptoms after taking the Pfizer or Moderna injection. They found what they called foreign metal-like objects in 94% of the people. The authors of the study wrote, What seems plain is that metallic particles resembling graphene oxide and possibly other metallic compounds have been included in whatever the manufacturers have seen fit to put in these so-called mRNA vaccines, unquote. I'll give you a link that will show you photos as well as the contents they found. Number three, one of the clearest explanations was made public in a video by Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, who has come forward with important documentation. Her work involves studying vaccine patents and the inclusion of graphene oxide in the vials. She told the interviewer, I read the U.S. patent to look for graphene oxide. It is not listed because it is a trade secret. However, the Chinese patent does list graphene oxide, and the main reason it's not listed in the U.S. patent is because graphene oxide is poisonous, and that is well known. The other reason is because it's the main ingredient of hydrogel, which is the liquid AI template that is used for some of Elon Musk's research and Bill Gates as far as creating an interface between humans and the Internet. She continues, saying their intent is to administer boosters every six months to see how much graphene we can build up in the system, When she was asked why they are using graphene oxide, since it is a toxic substance, she replied, because it is a great conductor of electricity and it can host a magnetic field. It could connect you to the internet. That's why, The alarming finding, to me, is the evidence showing strange metallic structures in the blood of those who were vaccinated. This is what the fourth beast is, a mixture of human and non-human cells. This metallic mixture is manifesting now as unusual clotting various neurological symptoms, and brain fog that many are suffering with. Now, some people dismiss all this saying, well, it's just statistics only affecting a few. I don't buy that. I freely admit that I do have a bias. Because I have studied the wiles of the Nephilim for so many years, as well as the goals of the world's elite to reduce the world population, I am convinced that millions of God's children have been duped into trusting what was injected into them. If I'm correct, the reality in the natural is that apart from a miracle, no one can just wash these metals out of the bloodstream. But do not fear. God has provided His children with a critical spiritual discipline that is able to cleanse our temples in times like these, and that discipline is called Teshuvah, repentance. The Bible is filled with stories of God's people who made wrong choices and ended up at the point of death and yet they fell on their faces before God and repented, and God saved them. It is never too late to admit you took a wrong turn and took the jab, whether it was from fear of losing your job, of going along with everybody else so as not to appear uncompliant, or a misplaced trust, never imagining that the government and pharmaceutical industry could be this devious and cunning. Again, I remind you, we're talking about Daniel's final beast. This is not fully human. It has teeth of iron, an unnatural mouth that pours forth lies and deception, claws of bronze which show no heart. They only know how to grab hold and not let go. This fourth beast is alive and well and in governing positions in every nation. The only thing that will release its grip is your will. If you want to loose yourself from this metallic beast that slipped into your body unawares through a vial, here are five things to do now. Number one, review the evidence that I provide in the podcast notes and ask God to confirm if this is true. Number two, repent from taking the vaccine, admitting the reasons that led you to take it. Number three, receive the forgiveness that the Lord promises to those who truly repent. Number four, release every concern about your health each day, into the Lord's hands, and ask for His strength to live your life out fully in health and purpose. And five, renounce all involvement with fear-based mandates, trusting in the Lord and His mercy alone. You'll find this episode, the ways Daniel's final beast is manifesting, at CandiceLong.com/slash podcasts. In the program notes, you'll find the links I discussed. Thank you for being with me today. I know this episode has been difficult, but I bring it to you in love. Join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.